Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston, and today we're discussing Chapter 14. Previously on Wizard Team, um, well, first, actually, before previously, it's February 1st. Happy Black, Black Magical History Month. Woo-woo. We're out here. You know what that means. We got stuff happening yep. all month. Um, check the Twitter. Really quick rundown. Check check Twitter, check Instagram, check Tumblr, check our website. Um, if you're not subscribed to Magic Monthly, you should be, and then you will know all about this. I mean, there have been ads that have been playing as well, so that would have given you a hint but um yeah we got lots of stuff this friday our very own portia is going to be interviewing um author of uh the davenports crystal marquee um on the 11th we have a twitter spaces conversation that is going to be happening about fantasy as an escape and as a mirror which is a thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast um on the 17th we're gonna have a quick quills like creative sprint so if you have stuff that you need to be making and you haven't had time that's a good time to do that and then on the 24th we're going to be watching or 24th 25th that weekend we're going to be watching um black panther and wakanda forever in our discord so all of these things are happening as well as like daily challenges lots of excitement so um you should hang out with us all month so excited can't wait so popping off i'm i'm very excited um okay now previously on wizard team um what we discussed so amari or really everyone it's like the first day of training so amari's first day at the department of supernatural investigations um we find out from agent fiona that there are 32 trainees um for the department and they are going to be narrowing down to four junior agents in the next four weeks um, that means that their first tryout is this week, end of week Friday. They got two weeks before the second tryout and then another week before the final one that will narrow them down to like the four people who get to be junior agents. Um, then we go on a tour and see the department. Um, they get to, our Amari's tour group gets to watch um, a lineup of um various large creatures to see which one of them stole a pot of gold from the leprechaun it happens to be this bigfoot uh not sure if he's a if that's his nickname or but he's a part of the bigfoot mafia yeah he's part of what portia thinks is some kind of sasquatch uh Organized crime, you know, mafia. organized crime. Yeah, exactly. They cousins. <laughs> it, it, it's a mafia. It's a it's family. A mafia. It's something. Something is happening here. Um, but that's not what the story is about. So we, <laughs> after Amari talks to um, who Portia thinks may be the the Don of uh, the Sasquatches, and he gives her uh, his card because uh, he is also, you know, his day job is a real estate. Uh, Mobile. Like a real, a real, yes, to the stars. So he's like, as soon as to you the criminal get stars, your, as soon stars as you should get your super villain on, you know, like, let me know, I got you. Um, they then after that, they go to the operations bay where they kind of see more of what the agents do in their day to day. They see that, um, Moreau, there's like a interrogation of the last living night brother, um, Moreau find out from dylan that he is in this very building who knows how big this building is by the way we still don't, we don't know, know that just a lot of floors it's mostly underground and so moreau is like in the building but like that could still be miles away we have no we have no way of knowing um then as they're in the operations bay there's an emergency there's a hybrid attack 30 um hybrids attacking one of their outposts and so all of the senior agents are called away to deal with that situation, which means that the tour is canceled. And now it's time to take the supernatural knowledge exam. Um, a day early. It's, it's a day not, early it doesn't coming count immediately towards... off of like something pretty 
I don't know if it's traumatic because they just heard about it, but like a very like, but like shocking, shocking and like thing. a little like anxiety anxiety inducing. And for also, sure. and also like it th- like like they didn't even get complete their tour. So even if there were mm-hmm. any clues or tidbits they could have picked up in that last couple of minutes of the tour, gone. nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Um, so they take the exam. It's it's only meant to be like a diagnostic, so it's to see like a baseline of where folks are at. Amari unsurprisingly fails the exam because she just got here two days ago. She only just found out this place existed three days ago. Um, So she's not going to know things like the seven great beasts, which is a question we asked y'all. And because this is pre-recorded, we'll probably talk about this next week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we want a reminder. We want to know your, the seven great beasts, what, who you think the seven great beasts are. One is definitely the, the abominable snowman. And then like the other six, Nessie. We, That's the only we, one that we, we said, are all. Yeah, we said the, we said the Loch Ness monster and everything else. We have no clue. So there are the, there was a, the the extra clue of two live within the Atlantic okay. Ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do with that what you want. Beast <coughs> in the Bermuda Sorry. Triangle, or maybe the Bermuda Triangle. Maybe is, maybe it's the triangle like itself. That, I was gonna say maybe the, the it beast. is the beef. It's like a vortex beast or something. That's, yeah, that'd be cool. Or it's actually just like a monster that eats people, but they call it a vortex so they don't scare the normies. No, like, I can mean, you imagine a like scared. a personified vortex? Like that'd be kind of no, cool. Portia, I, I can't imagine that because I like sleep. But <laughs> <laughs> isn't that basically what? Um, isn't that basically what a no a newbie whatever the thing is uh, in um, Thor? Not in Thor. In Loki. Uh, what uh, King's creature cloud thing is? I barely that remember he uses that show. to get rid of all the different um realms and dimensions that he did, he wants to get like all the variants that he wants to cut off. He uses I fr- it's a new it's something like it's not Anubis but a new it's something like that name. I'm gonna look yeah. it up. I don't. I Maybe barely barely. I watched that show. I sure did. Mm-hmm. Closely couldn't tell you. Not too close. I mean, I guess it's been a while, but still. And I couldn't see that. It's a cloud monster, and it's, like, purple. And it has little... Elias. Mm. I'm going to share the image with y'all so y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, Okay, so she fails the exam, but the instructor instructor gives her some, like, books and stuff that she should check out that she can um, study in preparation for the actual exam. Can I... Um, Sorry. And then... Uh-huh. I love I was thinking about how I've taken like those diagnostic or like things that just kind of level set or show you where you are test and this is like I can't remember I'm very old it's been a long time since I've been in like formalized schooling but this is like the one time I can remember them like going over it and then giving you like actionable things to bridge the gap yeah I yeah. really appreciated it yeah it was yeah, great. Actually. Instead of just being like, oh, um, I love it's a nameless, every... it's a nameless instructor, but yeah. they were doing but their job. They were job. doing their job. Like instead of being like, oh, you did not do well. You need to study. She's like, you do, did not do well, and you should check out this list of books that will help you get to where you need to be. It was great. Yep. But, um, I mean, it's also not great if her learning style does not lend to just being handed the list of books to true. read. True, but at least she has a starting point. Yes. Like at least she knows, like. It's more helpful than even if the else books themselves gotten. are not. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Magician Girl eighteen has continued to uh, oh, lurk. Is has been like, oh, sorry, you got the you failed the exam. Which how would how would this person know that? Um, and then, but you know, wouldn't you rather be learning about Moreau? Come holler at me. Uh, you know, I'm not suspicious at all. Be- also, like, That's- when Magician Girl first reached out, it was like, don't you want to learn about where your brother is? And now all of a sudden you want to learn about Moreau? Like, no. Right. Mm. Indoctrination. Mm, that your name is Magician Girl. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's not supposed to be any known magicians mm-hmm. out there besides Moreau and The Apprentice. So what's going and on? Elsie said, Magician Girl sounded like she working for Moreau. And I got to say, Suspicious. Yep. Um, and that was last episode. So now we're on chapter fourteen. Um. So by the time, so 
now that I like read the sentence again, I'm like, that was all in the morning. So we're still in the same day. All of that happened in one morning. <laughs> so, and I, I, one thing I will say is that at least like, I feel like in, in other books, um, you're, it feels like the days go by and you're like, how could all this fit in one day? But okay. But like I I like that in the pacing of this like it may I could see this happening like this it's a lot like, like the right there, amount of time and there are days when there's just a lot that happens and even you are like how does this like it doesn't feel realistic even though it's like actually happening to you in real life so like I also get that too where you're just like I'm already overwhelmed and I'm ready for the day to be done even though it's not lunchtime yet <laughs> so. Yeah, so it'd be like it'd be like lunchtime. You're like, I'm gonna need a nap yep. today. Yeah, like, so I'm done with as this. As soon as I have time for a nap, I'm taking it. Yep, got a blast. Um, so by the time lunch comes around, Amari's already stressed about her chances of making junior agent. Um, she's like, maybe director Van Helsing was right. Never. Um, uh, maybe I am. I am in over my head a little, but <laughs> isn't everyone? Is, yeah, I was gonna say that feels feels regular. Um, feeling like. She needs to be doing something. She skips the first few minutes of lunch to try to see if she can at least get some more information about Quentin. She goes to the files and evidence room um, in the Department of Supernatural Investigations. But apparently she, as a trainee, she's not uh, allowed access. But she also wouldn't even be allowed access if she was a junior agent. Um, Only the adults are allowed to go in there, which I do think, like, as unhelpful as it is, I do think it's like helpful from a world building standpoint to understand like that they do recognize that these <laughs> kids are kids and so do have some like uh Barriers. you know relic yeah like regulations around like what they're allowed to access and handle and that kind of thing. Um, I also think it's really like interesting that she has just gotten this list of things and she's like, I'm not going to the library. I'm going That's to yeah. find out more about <laughs> I it. Know. In case y'all no, are wondering what her priorities are. That's her priority. That four she's cannot so be strict. hitting her too hard because if I would have got a four on an exam, I'd be like, oh no, my life is over. All that I thought I knew, kaput. I'm not doing anything. And so I remedy this four. Four? I would not let that live. No, Mm-mm, you're not getting me. Mm-hmm. but Amari is like I only got a year here if I and it looks like I'm not going to be junior agent so I got to figure out I got to get what I can get while I can get it and pri- number one priority stays mm-hmm. Quentin so I get it but at the same time you're not going to catch me with no four <laughs> not going to catch us um <clears throat> Okay, so then on top of that, like we said, Magician Girl, one of 18, is spying on her. Um, so she at first she's like, she thought it was one of the junior agents trolling her, but none of them were on their phones. So like when the message came through, so now she's like not really sure. Like, is the Magician, is Magician Girl really the Magician who took her brother and Maria? And then if so, what can she do about that? Um and so she's thinking about like, what if it's a false accusation? Like she's, Amari's already dealing with the stigma of like being a magician and the way people are treating her and automatically assuming the worst of her. And so she is hesitant to do that to someone else, which I think is like. Right. Or good. Yeah. It's right of her. Like it's good of her to like, to think about it from that angle, even though this person is a hundred percent suspicious. And like, even if they turn out to be harmless, like they need a lesson on just like how to approach people <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, like boundaries and like lots of different things. Um, how to, so um, what is it? How to make friends and influence people. Is that the yeah. book? That's what they need to be reading. Like how to yeah. build a persuasive argument or whatever. Cause I immediately was like, Mm-mm. they're the bad guy. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stranger danger. Exactly. Literally. Um, but also a, a false accusation could mean blowing the best chance she has of learning about Moreau and being a magician. So it's just a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, 
she will get into like their conversation but because of that she ends up not telling Elsie and like we talked about last episode about like at least she told them being really yeah the way she tells Elsie the way that they're like honest with each other but then in this situation she ends up not telling Elsie because she's like I don't want to close off that like opportunity or that door and the magician has already proven that they can get information that like it's not 100% clear that the magician or magician girl 18 wouldn't figure out that she told Elsie because right, they were because, able to figure out she figured her out test score. Right, without anyone else like without being visible at least like you know what I mean? So but she's kind of like they didn't she's tell touched, but doesn't know by who or where. Yeah, and they didn't tell the test scores out loud. Like Laura told us no, the test they're in a they were in a closed door. Yeah. <laughs> or closed room. Um, Ooh, is said, Magician Girl 18 could it possibly be the the instructor, the instructor that we were just praising <laughs> right Uh-oh. it's like on the, on the low being like hmm like look at no her wonder, helping, no helping them she was or, so helpful yeah look at them helping her mm-hmm. learn and figure stuff out oh they helping her because they want her to be a magician a Moreau apprentice mm-hmm. okay Moreau's apprentice's apprentice mm-hmm I took her not wanting to tell Elsie as her thinking that Elsie would push for her to tell a grown up, given what the magician girl eighteen was was able to do. Like she's like, oh no, that security risk. You should definitely tell an adult now. Like she feels like Elsie would have held her accountable to telling an adult. Possibly, but also the magician girl specifically said, like, proved you can keep a secret. Don't tell anyone about my offer. Like said that part specifically. So then, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's probably both. It's probably like. It's weird, and at a certain point, Elsie would probably be like, okay, this is kind of beyond us. But also, it's like, in order for Amari to get any more information out of Magician Girl, she can't tell anyone about them. And, like, I think it could be that, like, uh, it could be that in Amari's mind, she's like, I'm not going to tell Elsie yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, wait till I can get the information, and then I'll just tell her everything. So then it's not really, like lying completely withholding yeah Yeah. it's just like waiting until a moment where it makes more sense to do that but um it does suck that like she's not able to share the information with somebody because it's weird at least again at least elsie knows that magician girl exists yeah at the very least um but yeah so elsie sits down um next to amari at the Food court and is like, tell me what you think about this lip gloss that shoots knockout gas. The antidote would be in the lip gloss itself. So once you put some on, you'd be immune. Um, All right, Riverside. So she's basically. (laughs) Yes, that is that is that. Uh, Apparently, she's been like this ever since she got her mastermind inventor ability from the crystal ball. Um, She just randomly starts getting ideas for inventions and then. like they just come out of nowhere um yesterday she got an idea for a microphone that turns your voice into that really high pitch that only dogs could hear and as long as the person you're talking to has an earpiece that picks up the sound you could have totally private conversations in a crowded room assuming there aren't any werewolves around so two thoughts one this i could see this getting to be annoying for amari because they're also roommates and so like this is just like a non-stop ideating stream and also, this reminded <laughs> me a lot of Portia. And, um, I mean, not in, not inventions, but just, like, I have an idea. No, I'm only laughing at Portia's face. because She, she did. She popped up, book. like, what? But And also, it was only, like, two episodes ago where she did this to you. So this is hilarious. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And, I, and, it, and it's not that I didn't think about that when I decided to say it out loud. Um... <laughs> because I did but and also I feel like this is another one of those where you think you're about to get read but it's actually just a truth of like being your friend that you be minding your business and then Portia's like I got an idea and you'd be like don't you always so but I don't live with Portia so I don't to be fair I don't do that to just anyone like, oh, not everyone gets gets shared my ideas. I don't think that Elsie would do that with just anyone either. Yeah. 
No, mm-hmm. but like Darren lives with, like I don't even do it with Darren. Mm-hmm. I don't think like he does. Live, I don't think I really just stop. Like occasionally I will. Yeah, I don't. I think how our relationship is. I just end up executing if I have an idea that's related to him in any way, and then I just do it. But like for something that like is not is me oriented, then I'll just like oh if I'm trying to just like get his like gauge his his um excitement about something that I'm thinking about, then I'll do that. But yeah, I don't. I typically. I don't think I typically uh, bring up my ideas around Aaron, which is funny. Like, I don't have a lot that just jump out of nowhere to share with him. Well, I mean, to be fair, too, like, we are a storytelling-making org, so it makes sense to give us your story ideas. And most of the time, your ideas for stories or projects around stories. So, yeah, the context works. But Yeah. Yeah. It just... It's like we're the Um. bureau for... (laughs) <laughs> nerdy black nerds <laughs> creating so <laughs> like in the black nerds creating like it's in the black nerds create universe like it's a perfect like universe for my ideas to just like be like oh this is the space to just uh-huh. jump out and like do it yeah. like okay let's just explore this idea okay mm-hmm. here's another one and i am very i will say i am very self-conscious about uh like how much space i take up um all the time so i'm always just like okay let's like tamper down you have a lot of ideas so just, just do one idea okay let's do that okay, okay. I, and that I was not meant to be a criticism it was just meant to be a description no. of how many ideas that you have at all my times. mind works yes yeah which is fun <laughs> no i was just laughing so i'm just like i invent i do not um but similarly i also had two things come from this one was that like when bayana said um Tell me how, what you think about this. I immediately thought, question, okay, tell me what you think about me. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's so funny because like, I didn't hear it when I read it, but then when you said it, I immediately was like, yep. <laughs> I thought it. So that was my first thing. And then my uh, second thing was, um, what was I thinking? Uh, yeah, I, it goes back to what I, my thoughts were last chapter about like how the other trainees and other departments are spending their time, um, have enough time to like sit and think and dwell on their like things that are tied to their abilities and how they can work on them in the, in the departments and exploring them and investigating, doing these really cool things that are not tied to like a competition setting and like kind of suppressing um their ability to be fully themselves because they have to like gauge how everyone else is doing and try to do better than the next person um that's what amari is going through as a trainee but elsie's over here just getting time to sit and think and uh ideate and create and amari's not having that opportunity because she's over here stressed out not only about magician girl but about trying to make it in the department um, competition so i'm just like it's like the experience overall doesn't seem fair throughout the bureau. And I wish that, like, especially at a 12-year-old, like, she had more time to just sit and imagine for herself. Yeah. I mean, I know they all have tryouts, but it definitely seems like the uh, Department of Supernatural Investigations is just more intense in a way that, like, may not 100% be necessary. Um, it and also, also like they're not getting the best potential bit. out of every person. Like yeah. they're not actually allowing them to fulfill their potential. But I yeah. also like when you were saying that, it reminds me a lot of um, like so. <clears throat> I always thought this about like when people are like, where we where I work and like a job that I would never want is sales, and like they always have these competitions and stuff. And I'm like, that sounds stressful and horrible. But they thrive in that. So I remember what you were saying, I think it was last episode, Portia, about, like, these are the kids that, like, see these zombies, these tree zombies, and they're like, that's awesome, and we don't understand, I don't understand, it does not compute. But, like, it's possible that these are also the kids that thrive in the competition, and that's how, or we hope that these kids thrive with competition, and then that's how they end up pushing and finding out more about their their magical potential and stuff like the competition is what fuels that as opposed to like Elsie which is just like having the room and the space to ideate maybe yeah but if you're getting rid of them so many of them so quickly then how you know like you have one crappy day and that takes you out of the whole that's thing okay. that's why year. I don't think they should take 
32 of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, trade-offs, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Elsie, because she can read Aris, can tell that something's up with Amari. Um, and so Amari has to kind of like think fast to not tell her about Magician Girl and says instead that she's worried about her test score. Um, Elsie is not really all that convinced, but she can't really press the issue because Chief Crow um, comes over the intercom and uh, summons Amari to the office, to her office. Um, which, like, again, we've talked about this. I'm, I'm a, like, I go back and forth with Crow, and like, we can talk more about it, like, once we have to go, once we actually get to her. But like, I just feel like somebody could have just came up to her, tapped her on the shoulder, yes. and went, like, "Hey, come with me." <laughs> like, the whole secretary, like, she has assistants. They're trainees in her department. Like, Yo, somebody. come on! Like, why are we doing this over the intercom? Every single person. How oh, how big is the bureau? First of all, and like every single person in the bureau needs to know that you're summoning the magician. And also, like, the, Amari has a phone now. A phone now. Just message her. Come like, on. come immediately to the something. office. Like, I something. So this is funny because it like this just popped into my head but in star trek it always made me laugh like or it was always interesting to me like when something was um done over the intercom or whatever and when they use like their comm badges Mm -hmm. and the comm badges if you're like nearby i could hear like if your comm badge went off and i'm standing next to you i can hear what the comm what they're saying on the comm badge or whatever but but then sometimes Mm -hmm. they use like the intercom or whatever and it's like and the whole ship kind of hears it and so yeah it's just it's an interesting thing of like when when and why you choose to make something heard but this is something that like you also see in like at work right like why is this a a slack message when it should be an email or why is this a meeting when it could be an email or why is this why is this an email when it should be a meeting like I don't know Mm -hmm. I think there might just be something to the fact that like this is also a workplace for a lot of these adults and so they just do things over the intercom and they're not thinking because they're not teachers this isn't a school they're just not thinking about like the the very precarious social structure that they have placed Amari and all of these kids in and they're Mm -hmm. like basically they are very very small interns so and the kids are only there during the summer right so it's, I think like, it's kind of the rest I think, of the time they're at school and whatever. So yeah. they just are not. But you would hope yeah, that someone would here to like think about this. <laughs> yeah, but they've been running these training things for like centuries. Like you gotta yeah. come on. Yeah, that's why they need to have and like I um, think... a teacher, or someone in charge of the training the curriculum, the, yeah. coordinator, even like a yeah, some kind of counselor or something. Yeah, like, something. I think that what adds insult to injury is the fact that, like, they know exactly where Mari is. So, the like, the answer to, like, why do they use the intercom is, oh, to make sure that, like, wherever she is, she can hear it or whatever, so they're not sure. Like, they know um, immediately, like, where Mari is because the actual announcement says that the elevator will be waiting for you in the food court lobby, True. which is, like, they know exactly where Mari is. So, like, you could have just had someone go tap her. Or you, again, just send her a message in her on her phone. This could be discreet. Nobody yeah. would need to know except Elsie. But and nobody really <laughs> needed to know. Like it's like it's a it's a, a private meeting. So it's yeah. even like the whole world needs to know that this meeting was happening. Like I don't. <sighs> I mean, I agree with you. Um, I just, I'm just thinking that it's because of they're not. Yeah, they're not they're thinking. Not thinking about I get it. I'm just like I'm like. There's just so many different factors here. There's just like there's laziness. <laughs> like there's what is it? Because yeah. come on. Um, so of course the food court goes completely silent and nearly everyone turns to look at Amari. Um, nobody gets to use that elevator, says Elsie. It must be something really important. Um, so Amari's like, why would the chief need to talk to me again? Or why would the chief need to talk to me unless I'm in trouble again? And then it's like, maybe they do know about Magician Girl. Um, so she goes to the chief's elevator um, which is the last one on the row, and it's twice as big as the others. Normally, there's an off-limit sign on the front, but today the doors are wide open. The floor is plush uh, carpet, and the walls are all tinted mirrors, um, so those inside can see out, but nobody can look in. And there is a pair of slippers sitting near the entrance. 
and we're about to meet the bougiest elevator I've ever <laughs> seen or read about. Um, so Amari's like, are these slippers for me? Um, of course they are, says the elevator in a snooty voice. This carpet is made from fine hand-woven unicorn hair, shed, not shaven, and it will not be blemished by the likes of you. Uh, Amari rolls her eyes and says, nice to meet you too. Uh, what was that? Nothing. Wait, aren't you supposed to introduce yourself? I suppose I am. How do I go from transporting his royal deviousness, the Goblin King himself, to some trainee is beyond me. The name is Lord Archibald Reginald Kensington, reluctantly at your service. Lord um, Lift. Namari's <laughs> Literally. Namari's like, Lord of the Elevators? Is that really a thing? Of course it's a thing. Now get on. Um, okay, okay, sorry I asked. She puts the, uh, she steps out of her shoes into the slippers, uh, the door is shut and then immediately open again and they're at the office of the chief of director, um, because as lord of these elevator shafts, um, he's the fastest elevator, I guess. And then tells her, says, be gone with you and don't you dare take my slippers. Um, I just want to remind (laughs) y'all that- these ele- the a- y'all t- AI is not gonna be talking to me crazy, but also they might be talking to me crazy because I'm not gonna stand up for myself because I don't trust them. Be <laughs> like, you're not sitting in the bus after me. Like, I know, I know y'all's programming. I don't know who y'all connected to. If y'all got smaller bots that y'all can program to send after me, that's not. To I'm me. seriously yeah. like the Friday. I got mind control over these elevators. They be they be talking to me, and I'll be quiet when they leave. I'll be talking again. <laughs> for me this elevator this elevator yes. reminded me of the robot from uh rogue one yes. the like in, mm, like he, it reminded me robot. heavy of that one mm-hmm. i love I, I really enjoyed him but initially i was like am i gonna hate this robot and i was like okay i kind of like you at the end and so i'm like i don't say that i i'm not describing that like my feelings for that robot from rogue one to that but i did like the first um a, first impression was very much like that yeah uh, first impression of that one and then i also want to talk about the cruelty of like the flooring in this elevator is hand woven unicorn fur so y'all really just stunting on them these this rare species fur well it's shed not shaven it's shed but they probably that means they keep unicorns in captivity Sure. They can yes, be around absolutely. when they shed their fur. When they shed. And you're setting on it because it's just the fur, the lining of the floor. I mean, of a, an elevator. It's a flex. The elevators. He's the Lord of Lord Elevators. The, I just this AI is out of control. That's very English of. This very English of the elevator to take <laughs> from something else mm-hmm. to make itself seem like it is rich. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah. It's the majesty I of a just... unicorn put into an elevator. <laughs> put in an elevator. It's giving gold toilet seat is what you're saying. <laughs> it's giving museums of things that don't belong mm. to you that mm. you're going to loan somehow to someone else. Mm. Yeah. Lord Kensington is uh, certainly a character. I feel like AI aside, the elevators are honestly like one of my favorite things about the Bureau. entertaining <laughs> because yes, they're, they're hilarious really... <laughs> i'm just like why <laughs> like why are y'all all like this like you talking to me crazy they all need to relax in different ways you know <laughs> they all need to just like take a chill pill <laughs> for different reasons um so yeah i'm like all right lord kensington get your slippers back and you'll be fine relax At Black Nerds Create, we love all things fandom and creation, and we especially love fantasy. That's why we're excited for our newly named Black Magical History Month coming in February. Black Magical History Month is our sixth annual celebration of Black stories, characters, and fans across different fantasy media. Get ready for a month of digital events, challenges, and community turnups all across social media. To stay up to date and get more information, go to blacknerdscreate.com. Amari steps out of the elevator. Um, looks at the lobby. There's a fancy glass desk uh, with the big Office of Chief Director plaque, um, and then the secretary who escorted Elsie and Amari to the um, welcome day is with like is sitting behind it. Um, <clears throat> she points to uh, the conference room and says, 
they're waiting for you. And then Amari goes in, obviously very confused, very afraid that like she's about to be kicked out. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, but inside the conference room is Agent Magnus, Agent Fiona, and Chief Crow. Um, clearly, like Magnus is sitting with his arms folded across his chest. Like, so there's like a bit of tension in the room. Um, Fiona's whole looks, personality at this point. It is, but like Fiona shoots an annoyed look at Magnus. So that's like, like they're just. Something is happening, but, like, clearly, whatever it is, they're not in agreement on. Yeah. Um, so, Amari, or, sorry, Chief Crow is like, Amari, I do hope your afternoon is going well. Please take a seat. Um, and Amari's like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Um, but then Magnus is like, don't go getting too comfortable. Wait till they tell you about the reckless idea that's brought you here. <laughs> so, he's just like over he, it he cares about yeah he's very much over it he cares about amari but is like this is like he just feels like somebody who like can't wait to quit like he's mm-hmm. somebody who's like always like Counting he loves his, his job but is also like he's like how much longer till i can retire like but i feel like he's also like i'm o- i'm only here to keep because if i weren't here it would be real bad in here and i can't mm-hmm. i just i feel that uh like a uh, bearing of responsibility on myself to keep it from being too bad in yeah. here. yeah and I get yeah. the sense that he's like this with like all of the trainees and kids because he's like they d- y'all forget that these are children and like Amari's got a little bit of a special um, like a soft spot for because she's Quentin's sister and because it seems him and Fiona both agree that like how we how they criminalize magicians for just existing is not the smartest idea. Um, because Mm -hmm. they have both said at different times, like, you're being punished for something you can't control. Um, So, yeah, I I love him because it's, like, I get that sense that, like, he's one of those people that, like, I don't like kids, but kids love me, and I can't do anything but, like, end up playing Tea Party, and, like, I'm I'm mad that I'm playing Tea Party, but the the kid (laughs) asked me to play Tea Party, and here I am sitting, like, yeah, just cute. It's cute. I like it. Yeah. He's grumpy in a in a, in a, um, in a sweet way. Yeah. And I also like that he's like respecting their personhood. Like like he's not treating them like, oh, kids are just like these like entities yeah. that like what are they doing in my space? It's very much like you're a whole person who should be like protected because you are a small person. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he shakes his head, he's like, in all my years, and then Fiona chucks a pencil past his head. So clearly they are not Again, agreeing on (laughs) Um, So Amari is like, what is going on? So uh, Chief Crow brings up the hybrid attack on their outposts um, and says that it was an especially violent attack that resulted in terrible injuries to a number of their members. Um, They're not agents, but uh, specialized researchers studying wild magical flurries. so like these and these hybrids are like especially heinous i guess (laughs) um they exhibit supernatural or so sorry superhuman speed and strength uh far beyond the ones of the past um and the entire research team fiona says had to be flown to the nearest supernatural health center so it's like very serious even like when uh like in the last chapter when the junior agent came and told Fiona that there were 30, like Fiona was very surprised by that. Cause clearly they usually don't see that many at a time. Um, but also so, like not that being a freaking researcher for the department also puts you at combat risk. Like, like right. even more reason. Well, I don't know if it's for the, either. I don't know if it's for the department, but def- but at least for the bureau, for the I think, bureau. It, I think it was just a, even yeah. worse. Uh, yeah, no, I can't even be a worse. researcher for the bureau without freaking being at risk for attack. Yeah. Like I had to have combat training just to sit here and collect samples. How yeah. nice. Um, yeah, it's definitely concerning. <laughs> uh, the long, so basically the bureau has become desperate. Um, as far as they know, Moreau is the only magician with enough magic to create hybrids. Um, usually it's a it's a skill that's like beyond the apprentices that they have encountered before um and until amari showed up they had no idea that a single person could even be that magical um and so amari immediately thinks that they're accusing her of doing this um 
she's like, everything I've done with magic has been a complete accident. I wouldn't even know how to use a spell. Um, but she's kind of getting ahead of herself. Fiona's actually not, or they are not accusing her. They're actually, um, taking they're her advice. Asking her for, they're taking, yeah, for her, <laughs> you know, or was laughing at her before, but, uh, <laughs> accepting her offer now. So, yeah. So I do want to say though, I think it's really like heartwarming and, kind of terrifying so when Amari gets into the room she's like there's much less people here and then Fiona says everyone in this room believes you didn't do it so it's like good on mm-hmm. like Crow for uh, truly honestly believing Amari um yeah and being and that's why I was saying this, I go but... back and forth with her because yeah. I feel like she does not really know how to handle kids but she also is not like blindly prejudiced. And also honestly, like she, I mean, we'll get, we'll get to it a little bit further down, but like, it's just like back, I get back and forth from her. Like there yeah. are moments where I'm like, you are not doing this correctly. And other I'm like, okay, well you mean well at least. Yeah. It's just very much like uh, you shouldn't be the, the summer camp. You need to give that to somebody else. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but you're trying. But it also implies that someone outside of that room is arguing that Amari was in two places at one time. And I'm like, I mean, Van Helsing, maybe. Yeah. She can, she's an illusionist, sure. But like, you, again, she doesn't even know what she's doing. So how could she be at the level of maintaining a look that she's here in one place while being somewhere else? And she doesn't even well, know what she's my doing. My thing, though, is I still don't fully understand hybrids, but it feels like you don't need to actually be there. You just need to create them and then let them loose. <laughs> like, so you're right. thinking it's like a timed gate lock or something. Like where a homing they, like, pigeon look. or a, a, a missile. Like you can launch it from anywhere. Or like a drone, right? Like you can you can be sitting in an office in Washington, D.C. killing brown people all over the world. Um, that got dark, but honest. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, it seems like, because they say hybrid attack, um, and they don't know who could create these hybrids. So it was like, they're created. Why couldn't you just. Just drop them off and. And yeah. Or put them somewhere, have a timed cage release. We are, we're mm-hmm. in a world where like technology and magic sit side by side. So. It also seems to me not, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to get Amari in trouble. Amari did not do this, but like, it also seems flawed to me to think that you would need to be in two, two places at once to do this. Yeah, I guess my thinking was like, if it's, um, if the magicians are can like, like puppet masters and they have to be in person there to puppet the hybrids or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying like, we don't really know how yeah. the hybrids work, but I took it as like something you like i'm thinking of them like ultron cooked yeah. up in a lab mm-hmm. or those like the iron legion which side note tony right. stark is the fucking worst yes he is <laughs> i don't know i don't understand why tony stark has, has fans anytime i see a tony stark fan i'm like wow those are the same oh people gosh. that love batman yeah i'm amani i'm talking to you um <laughs> An Iron Legion? What were you thinking? But anyway. Um, <laughs> you wanted to put a cage around the world? Literally. How does that not... Okay. Can we not... So, okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Um, so, uh, they believe that uh, Moreau is... So, they, they believe... Uh, sorry. Okay. Back in here. So, they, yeah. They don't believe that it's Amari, but they do believe that um, someone connected to Moreau is creating the hybrids and they don't know anything about this new magician so Fiona is the one who came to Crow with the proposal um, and Crow decided to consider it and Amari is like oh you're gonna let me talk to Moreau and Magnus is like Amari won't have any part of it <laughs> which Amari is the one who came up she asked she was yep. like hold up and I laughed at her because I thought that, that was a ridiculous thing to ask an adult, but apparently not so much. 
not. <laughs> These adults ain't adulting the way that no, you thought that adults adult. And they're realized. desperate. So what else are they going to do? It wasn't, the thing is, it's like, it wasn't a bad suggestion from Amari. It was just like, for me, it was like time and place. It is you know? kind of a bad, no, it is kind of a bad it's suggestion. Bad, but it's I mean, a like, year old. No, 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 absolutely. But I'm saying like, in terms of like her logic to get to the point of like, maybe Moreau would talk to another magician. I understand that. Yeah. It's just like. It's a sound logic. Sure. Yeah. But she just well. kind of had the thought and said, oop, I'm asked right now in front of all these people. <laughs> that was part of her plan. And to an adult who, who shouldn't. But when else, when is she this? ever alone with any of the agents though? Like she's not been, like yeah. she's not seen Fiona just walk in the hallway and just like being able to grab her. Yeah. Um, I just had this thought and then it's kind of circular, but I was like, how is Moreau getting these apprentices while he's in prison? But he just got caught by Quentin and Maria. Um, yeah, not so that we Recently, don't know how many apprentices yeah. and like how, yeah, it's been pretty recent since they've caught him. But it, what is interesting is like, they don't know anything about this apprentice. Um, so they've been, and we kind of know that they've been like in this ongoing cold war battle with Moreau and his apprentices until Moreau got caught. Um, again, it just seems like a, a an example of how bad they are at this, that like he continues to have apprentices showing up even post incarceration yeah they're just they it's the profile they don't die they multiply Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes uh okay so yeah magnus is like amari won't have any part of it part in it fiona's like it's not your decision you great big oaf <laughs> so she, she's really like she's over it. Um, she says we wouldn't ask you if it wasn't important. Innocents are getting hurt. Crow was like, "Sit down, Magnus," because he had jumped up to his feet. So then Crow, this is like the part that I was um, talking about, like was mentioning before. Is like she says, Amari, we know you're quite eager, but I'd like to be sure that you've properly thought this through. We would be placing you near the most terrible villain in the history of our world, desperate or not. It's not a decision I'd have you take lightly. So she's she. Like, it just kind of reminds me of, like, before when the, um, like, in the meeting with the directors, how she was, like, asking if she was okay and, like, making sure she understood what was happening and, like, you know, like, asking for consent for things. And so there are just these moments, like, again, like, I just feel like she means well, even though Great, there are times um, when I'm doing Instincts, poor execution from Chief Crow. This reminds me, and I'm just, I don't know why I think maybe it's time for a Star Trek rewatch, but in Mm -hmm. um, Star Trek Voyager, so they have this like prime directive in all of Star Trek. If you're part of the Federation, there's a prime directive. And basically you do not interfere with the cultures of other planets and other species. Um, But on Voyager, they are lost in space and they are like three quadrants away from home. It'll take them 300 years to get home. And their captain, every time there is any chance that she might shave some time off of this journey or take a shortcut and get back home to Earth faster, the prime directive goes out the window. She's just like, you know what, expediency and, you know, whatever. I actually wrote a whole thing about this when we used to have a blog, Situational Ethics. and that's what this kind of reminds me of. It's like, they wouldn't, they, they're they telling Amari, like, we wouldn't put you in this position, but we're desperate and people are getting hurt. And like, but she's still 12 and doesn't know what's going on. And like, so mm-hmm. you can't have it both ways, right? Like you can't <clears throat> criminalize her, ostracize her and make her feel, and not that these three people are doing it but they are three representatives of the bureau and the bureau as a whole has has made her feel this way um and then as soon as it is convenient for them or they are in a bad place then they appeal to her inherent Mm -hmm. 
what I think of in, as inherent goodness while telling her she's inherently a criminal. Or or need to be helpful. Yeah. Need mm-hmm. to be useful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for, for me, it's uh, the thing that's coming up for me right now is that, like, at least um, recognize her service, like, to like openly like openly call talk about like how her service is helping the department um because the like if you're trying to help her um and the stigma around her being a magician then showcase how she is not functioning in the same way that the magicians that have built up that stigma have functioned or are currently functioning so like you help um her gain the support that she needs within the bureau because by just asking her to do these things without like aligning that with the, her character and showcasing that to kind of push back the bigotry that she's encountering openly, then you're just allowing her, you make allowing for the isolation that she feels to continue. Um, and you're using her despite the level of isolation that she has and her need to feel like she's not alone um, that she's helping along the way. So I think I, if I see her have some recognition from this openly i think that would help go a long way to helping their the cause of uh chief crow but as is i just i don't know if that's gonna happen yeah yeah and get Van helping um, off her back yeah First like all, be a buffer for her like come on please um so Magnus is like, this kind of thing ain't her job yet. She's just a kid for crying out loud. Um, Fiona's like, it's still her decision. And like, should it be? Yes, but also like, well, that's what I was going to say, like, or sort of what I was going to say, like, yes, but also Magnus knows she's going to say yes. They all know she's going to say yes. They all know she's going to say yes, but also. She suggested it. It's her suggestion. Not that it shouldn't be her decision. I think like, to some point, like we talked about, like Magnus and having, treating them like like people and respecting their autonomy and stuff but also like we like age of consent yeah and like being in like carefully informed of all of the actual things i'm like where is her mama like i just feel like just because mm-hmm. if i'm renee i'm like you let my child talk to whom and do what and that's right. my main that's that was gonna be my main question because it, it's related to my bench is that did we because i don't remember it's just been that long enough for me did they cover in here like what if what the law is keeping them from telling like sure it's like you can't tell a lot of people that this world exists but like why can't you tell a minor's parent or guardian that they are again and related to this world but even more that she's a magician and that has some things that might lead her to be targeted not only by people who are bigots but by people who are seeking to use her powers like and then like not keep the mom informed when stuff like this comes up like what is keeping them from doing that is there a law that was like Probably what is the like thing cultural mores, i mean they didn't even and they also like yeah I was like to, they didn't even tell her that quentin was just had disappeared yeah. like, didn't tell her anything about right quentin. but i'm like i'm like but you know what i mean though like what is it that would keep them like what is the actual law or whatever like why couldn't they change it for this specific these specific special occasions i think it's also like what i was gonna say is like the cultural mores of like them and like we've seen with the elitism and stuff like assuming that the only people this really affects are come from these supernatural families and these legacies. So they, I don't know if there's a law, but they probably also have just never thought about the fact that like, there are people not involved in the supernatural world who would be impacted or have family members who, and would want to know. So I th- kind of feel like it's that too, because Maria's family knows. Mm-hmm. Yep. They just didn't think about the black boy and his family and where his family comes from. And Mm -hmm. I just think that they just didn't think about it because they're always, they're they're just elitists and they're all insular. Yep. Um, So, of course, Amari says she's going to do it. Um, But she has a a condition. She wants to know um, why they refused the trade to get her brother back and whatever else 
they know about the disappearance. So I'm like, at least you know she's so, she's smart. Come she's on, like, Amari, with you playing her cards, you know. She, she gets one card and she's gonna play she it said, right I'm there. Yeah. Here. Mari's not gonna keep no. She's not gonna hold it into her chest. She's gonna let you know I'm right there. I'm leaving here with something. Here we go. I'm leaving here <laughs> okay. with something. Hello, Denzel. <laughs> um. So, Crow was like, "How on earth do you know about that?" Um. It's classified," said Magnus. "If she already knows about the letter," said Fiona. "Then it's only fairy fill in, fill her in on the details. Nothing she couldn't learn from Moreau himself." So, finally, they're like, all right, we'll tell you everything we can within reason. Also, can uh, we just talk about kinda... how terrible these investigators are at having a poker face? Like, there was not even a, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. It was they immediately, how do you know about they that? Was, how do you know that? <laughs> like, like, well, I know for sure yeah. now. Exactly. You didn't You didn't quite uh <laughs> But she really it. didn't have to, like, but it's just like, there's no game to play with that either. So, I mean, I could think from a writing standpoint, there's no game to play here to do that because, like, she knows that the director, uh, the director, Van Helsing, has confirmed the existence of, like, demands or something. Because whenever he has a conversation with her or whatever, she kind of tried to sneakily get that confirmation from him. Or was mm-hmm. it? Yeah. That's when it was. Oh. But she's already, she knows it's confirmed by an official source because she's had, she's used it. She's, like, kind of, like, teased it before. So she doesn't really need that. And I think from the writing standpoint, he was like, I'm just going to let them not. <laughs> like, she's not going to, they're not going to play that game with her. We're going to get to the meat and juice of it here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah. So they, they, the, the adults kind of congregate so they can figure out, like, what they can and will and won't tell her. Um, and Amari notices that. Magnus is like really unhappy and she's like well that's too bad because she's about to complete step two of that plan <laughs> well they wrote Magnus it down, is like I'm tired like, of this grandpa and Amari's like well that's too dang bad man when she wrote that down last night she thought she said months have. and she all said, of we sudden, were gonna be on here forever all she of got sudden. this opportunity on day one this is still day one um so they they come back um we learned that the letter was received from one of Moreau's apprentices. Um, it made one, it made two impossible demands, um, one for each member of Vanquish, not just one. The first one is releasing Moreau, um, but the second one is classified, which is why I think they should have just kept it at one. Like they don't, have to, you don't have to tell her that there was a second one and that it's classified. Um, but but I think that's it explains why they haven't. They didn't uh, follow the demand. But yeah. The fact that there's a second demand tells her why they haven't um, done what they needed to do for the first that one demand mm-hmm. she knew about. Um. Yeah. And that it. So she does. Crow does say that it concerns an item of immense destructive power, one that would put many innocent lives at risk were it placed in the wrong hands. So like giving you a some kind of weapon and Moreau for like these two agents is just not a good idea and like yeah it's like it makes sense why they have not given into these demands even if like as a family member like Amari is you know what I mean like I understand being like upset about it and also yeah what can you do other than try to find them um so Amari's like whoever has my brother must be a horrible person to want something like that um if we can't give them what they want, what's to stop them from hurting Quentin and Maria? And how are we supposed to get them back? Um, Fiona's like, by catching them. Um, and our best hope is getting something out of Moreau that will help us do just that. You you are our best hope, Amari. Um, and Amari's like, Obi-Wan. say less. Yeah. Um, yeah, Amari says say less. And that was the end of that chapter. The chapter. Um, All right. I I am perplexed by oh this meeting too. Like, is it clandestine? Why was it only the three the three of them? Do the obviously like the other directors probably don't agree with it? But where was like old headless Joe? Well, he's in the logical... apartment of Unexplained, so I think that he's not... I don't think they all need to be there. I think it's 
also the yeah, other two are agents, it's a director right? level like, thing it's a director yeah, it's, a, it's about it's a investigation op like who's running yeah. the op for this investigation and it seems like it's these two agents okay on top of the fact that they know that van helsing is gonna say no so they might as well just F. go straight to the top instead of going to van helsing yeah I mean, Magnus um, is saying no. <laughs> Mag- but yeah, but Magnus and Fiona are, are partners. So yeah. so she's and like, I'm doing this thing. You got to come with mm-hmm. me. <laughs> you may not agree, but I already talked to the chief. So let's do, let's make it happen. Well, shut up, Oak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, MVP? Um, I made Fiona my MVP. I think that it's like really interesting um, that like we were just talking about Amari making that offer in chapter 13 mm. and it felt like Fiona just kind of waved it away as like a ridiculous thing but she did like store it you know as like a well that's an idea I she probably maybe she even had the idea before but um that she immediately like took action on that at the first opportunity but then also that she I think, you know, we kind of praise Magnus a lot about, like, looking out for Amari and thinking about their personhood, but also trying to keep them safe. And I think on the flip side of that, like, Fiona also is interested in treating Amari like a, like a full human being with her own autonomy and letting her, like, make these decisions. Like, I think that they... um did a decent job at least of being like don't make a rash decision and think about it because this is dangerous and he's the most dangerous person that like we've ever caught and so we're not asking this isn't like just some easy ask um even though you know she she we all knew what she was gonna say but mm-hmm. um i appreciated that so that's why she's my mvp the song that came up for me just now was this is dangerous <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for me, I, uh, made Amari my MVP. Um, I think that while we're getting more and more, uh, insight into like how Amari is like willing to do dangerous things. And this is a very particularly dangerous thing that I would never, uh, I mean, I might, but if I, I am, this one I I am the zombies, I would possibly do it, but I feel like you, I need my mama to know so that if anything were to happen, she knew who to point fingers at. Cause I don't want her over here having two missing kids. So I would, that would be one of my demands. I feel like Amari uh, should have brought her mama into it, but also of course she didn't. (laughs) That's um, why the adults, I get it. I get it. But I'm also just like, yeah. So, but so throughout though, though that is, uh, the thing that takes away from her MVP-ness. I do appreciate that though she is willing to do these dangerous, uh, reckless things, she is weighing every single step of it um, with as much information she has. And like, she is trying to be as considerate and thoughtful about how she can find her brother the whole way. So she's staying on task, she's staying on mission and she's trying to achieve what she can. So I'm always, I'm always down for a goal-oriented person trying to further their goal. Um, and I I think that it's really affirming for Amari too that she had this plan and then the adults who are like again this is the department she's trying to be come part of um, want to use that for an operation that means that she's thinks she's uh, thinking in a way that would lead to her, her um, doing well in the department were she to be seen for her skills and not just because of like her talent and who she is. Hmm. Um, I said Magnus, even though like for for the uh purposes of plot, like anybody listening to him, we need to go talk to Moreau. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do appreciate him like being consistent in like how he feels about Amari getting involved in this investigation and like first and foremost keeping her like well being in mind. And not that like the others aren't, but I think that like he's consistent in how he does that and um he just generally seems like a good dude even if he is a little uh ornery a little just a little (laughs) um what about benched 
Lord Lift, because wh- why are you <laughs> a conceited elevator? And he was knighted. Knighted by who? He, I don't know. Maybe the fairy court, like the him, Sasquatch. I don't know. He declared himself a lord. <laughs> what? Are you a duke? What's going on? Um, Are there any other lords or nobles ladies. in this um, building, yeah. you know, that are elevators? I think not. So guess who's claiming the title? <laughs> Me. Okay. Um, and also just being like snooty to Amari when you are an elevator. Stop it. And then every time I, any chance I can bench AI, I'm benching AI. That's fair. Constant vigilance. <laughs> I benched uh, Chief Crow uh, for all the reasons that we named throughout this episode uh, that we, that are on the weight of why we would bench her, uh, including the whole announcement situation. But I think also my main thing is that, and I, and this is why she's the person to blame for this sentiment that I have after reading this chapter, like she's the best person this fits to, um, is that it's sad that in a world with so many magical protections that Amari continues to have the weight um, outside of her age put on her shoulders. And like Chief Crow is not doing anything to like alleviate that being like all the things that are coming to Amari um, at her small age of 12. Like, she really isn't doing nothing to make sure this child um, has anything outside of what all the other trainings are getting. And I feel like that's the wrong approach to this, given that Amari is clearly different than the rest of the trainees in the group. Um, I benched the magician's apprentice because he's evil. It's cold piece of work. So, yeah. Cold piece. Cold piece. Um clearly got them uh running in circles <laughs> but yeah no he's benched or they're benched we don't know who they are yet so and mm. with that we'll thank everyone for joining us for these episodes of amari and the night brothers as we have gone through it our many minds uh join us next week when we discuss chapter 15 wizard team is brought to you by black nerds create If you want to keep up with our other content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter at blacknerdscreate, at Yana Rodit, at Robin underscore Rambles, and at PoorSheA. Follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at blacknerdscreate, and subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast, and we can't wait to see what you guys do and hope that you uh, join us for Black Magic Monthly. Magic History Month. Black Magical, Magi- Black Magical History, History Month. Month. And we can't wait for you to join us for Black Magical History Month. Say it three times and fast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.